0: How do you set up your therapy space for maximum success? That's what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirsty Miles. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about environmental room setup for success in treatment. You know, so how you kind of set up your space so that your therapy session can be most successful and impedes, it's really important to think about how it's set up. Even though you may be working in a situation where maybe you don't have many options in terms of setup, sometimes we might have more options than we realize. So we want to talk through today some of the key components in terms of success, and we've broken those down into a couple of main topics. So what's our first one Kirsty? The first
1: one um, that we think is really important is shrinking the room for joint attention. So, and this fits whether you're working in a big therapy gym or Even in a smaller treatment room, sometimes you even have to shrink that smaller treatment room because otherwise
0: that child doesn't recognize you from the chair that's also in the room. Because when you get so far away sometimes, and when I say so far away, it could be three feet. Basically, you just dropped off the face of the earth. So proximity, depending on that child, is really important. But I've said to many a physical therapist because they'll say, gosh, well, the child's just running all over the gym and it's hard to get them to focus. And I'm like, well, you don't have to work in the gym. A PT or OT could easily take a two- or three-year-old into a small treatment space, and maybe that's a better space for that child than the big, huge gym. And then sometimes vice versa for speech. Sometimes speech doesn't need to be in a small treatment space, and they do need to be in a bigger gym. So you got to think about the goals of the child and what you want to accomplish, but you also have to think about, like, the child's sensory system, their level of alertness, their level of of engagement and joint attention, and how close do you have to be to them for them really to focus on you or the equipment that's involved, you know, Uh, or that you need to have involved for that therapy session.
1: And you've got to consider too, motor therapists, a lot of times we think about the theories of motor development and motor (laughs) learning. So if you want to develop a skill, and hone a skill, and practice a skill. You need to practice that skill and get really good at it without the visual distractions, without the noise distractions, without movement distractions. Other people moving in the gym is a distraction. That when they have to negotiate through space and there's moving parts and pieces, it's hard to learn. So sometimes as a therapist, we have to take away all those pieces and go work in a quiet treatment space. So that's why sometimes you see a PT working in a really, really small room, they're bringing their ball, they're bringing a set of stairs, you know, whatever we need to Mm -hmm. continue to work on our goals in a smaller confined space so that we can hone in on a skill, practice a skill, repeat a skill, and then you want to start to add in one piece of distraction at a time, whether it be music in that room so that when you come out of that room, you now have music and visual stimulation. So now you've got two pieces outside the room, but in the room you can add music there, noise there, you're counting, you're the noise, so you can do a lot of different things
0: if you're considering shrinking the room as opposed to working in a bigger gym. Sometimes the stairs in a PT gym are a great way to shrink the room because if you need the child to request or need the child to engage in back and forth or or whatever you're working on, but for requesting too because, you know, there's a reason, for example, for the child to go up the stairs. So they have to have a motivator at the top, and I don't know what that is, different things for different kiddos. So, and then they have to have another reason to come back down. So you have to make sure you have what I call the hook, why they want to go up and down the stairs at the top and the bottom of the stairs. If they don't care then they're not going to want to go up and down the stairs, you know, or if going up all the whole flight of stairs may just be too big. So you may only have to be able to go up up three stairs and then back down again or four stairs and go back down again. You know, it just depends, but you can still get the same thing accomplished if it's three stairs or a whole flight of stairs depending on what the child level is. So you got to think about the child's level, proximity. When do you start to kind of lose them? Meaning like when do you lose the attention? And when the child starts not focusing on you or Or whatever the hook is, or forgets about whatever that is, then you know the room's too big. So then shrink it back down to a smaller size. We have one little girl, you know, I work like in a two foot circle because if I get further away than that, I've just fallen off the face of the earth. And she's like, Well, I don't, when did you get here? You know, I'm like, Well, I was just here 30 seconds ago, but oh yeah, I got out of the circle. Hold on. So I've used that a lot. I've also used those play hut tents that pop up. So I've used those tents before and treated in the tent, not because I'm trying to lock the child in, but I had to get rid of all the distractions in the room. And not only did they need just the smaller space but they may need to may take away the visual stuff too because they couldn't focus i'll use the tunnels for that same reason um for ball play right, right. yeah that's so a that good idea. they
1: only see me like the ball can only go to me they can't throw it around the room right it's
0: only going to be able to come to me <laughs> right and you're not gonna go work on that tunnel with ball play forever No, but eventually you'll take them outside of the tunnel, but that's where you got to start. No. Once you set up the positive
1: reinforcement of whatever is the motivator, like you're cheering for him, you know, working on the, the positivity of him getting the ball to you, her getting the ball to you, then they start to link that. And once they link that, then you can take the tunnel away and be like, okay, we have visual stim
0: now and we're. And we're playing, playing ball. ball. That's right, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'll never be able to throw that ball back and forth. It's just too much. It's just too many things. So you have to think about, okay, what is my goal here? What do I want to achieve? What's the level of the child? How can they be most successful? Let me make my therapy plan based on that. Yep. The swing is also another good way to shrink the room, like a platform swing, because then your room's only as big as that swing. You can do tons of stuff on that. Mm-hmm. Not that you're trying to hold them captive or anything, but...
1: Well, you're trying to get the engagement piece right. and you need the back and forth and the repetitions mm-hmm. because that's how we learn. And mm-hmm. so, if we're trying to create more opportunities for repetition, it's why I like my bathtub. So, Smaller that's the same
0: thing. The, the bathtub totally shrinks the room. And I've said on other podcasts before, you know, a lot of times I'll put the child like in the corner of the room, I'll be in front of them in the corner of the room. And then the toys and the stuff that they are requesting are behind me and I bring things out one at a time. So, basically, that space is only as big as that corner and me sitting right, that's as big as the room is because I'm the other corner of the room. You know, my Mm -hmm. body's the other corner of the room. And so really that that room is a two by four. But sometimes that's all we need. And you mentioned the stairs too, because what you're saying is you're very
1: cognizant of where your body is in relation to the child. So as a PT, I'm not going to be the one that's enticing the child to come up the stairs. I'm not going to stand at the top of the stairs because now there's a whole room Mm. down below them that they're gone. Mm -hmm. So if mom or dad is helping, I'm like, you go to the top.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly where I put them. <laughs> on the top of the but even for the speech therapist, sometimes the stairs, like because a lot of times in a lot of PT gyms, it's not the whole flight of stairs. It's just like four stairs and then a platform. Usually it's all got railings all around it. You can set the parent up there and then you're at the bottom. It works great for speech as long as they're safe on the stairs. So that's yeah. something I check in and check with the PT and all that. But if, as long as they're safe, that's a really good place to work sometimes. Mm-hmm. As long as the PT's guarding like they're supposed to be. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you got to be high guard in that situation. <laughs> well, I, just, I'm all, I would always be high guard. So
1: yeah. the next thing we're going to talk about when we talk about the environment is transitioning, not just from the waiting room to the therapy room, but also between tasks. So they kind of go hand in hand because we're talking about transitions. Right. So we want to think, How are we going to get this child from the waiting room to the therapy room when they don't want to make that
0: transition? Or when you have to transition in the middle of a therapy session. Between activities. Sometimes that requires different rooms. So if you've got this child that's a low under responder and you got to rev them up, you may have to start out in the gym with swings or whatever to get them revved up. And then once they're revved up, you may have to transition to a smaller room or vice versa. So you may have to get them calmed down start out in a sensory gym or something, calm them down and then switch to a smaller room. So you may have three transitions or four, weighing room, Sensory gym, therapy room, back to the waiting room. So you have to plan for your different spaces. For transitions, I like to use transitional objects. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, That might mean, you know, if we have to use the train that they're playing with at the train table in the waiting room, I'll bring it back cleaned after the session. Sure, (laughs) But I might need that to get them back to the room. Or if I know that this is going to be a challenge, they really like the swing, they like the Lycra swing, I might bring that out and put them in the swing and pull them back or put it on the scooter board. and use that to get them back to therapy Hayden you and I we have set up we have shrunk the gym down to the point where when you <laughs> enter the gym we took all the mats and stood them up to make a little narrow hallway <laughs> where you can't see the entire gym we put a child in one of those Bilbo bucket seats yep. and literally pushed her across the floor and into the room and it was beautiful like a half egg kind of thing (laughs) she just just
0: slid across the floor
1: like a little bobsled but normally she would fall out she would have trouble getting to the room she wanted to go to the ball pit she wanted to go to the foam pit you know
0: wouldn't go to the therapy room that worked like a charm that did it worked great so you have to think about okay what's your plan for the session knowing it can change as the child presents for that day and then set it up to the best of your ability based on what you know but you have to think of all the different places so you can't think oh well I guess we'll do something in the gym and I guess we'll whirl over here and I guess we'll do that you have to sort of have a thought process about the multiple places and and then also communicate with other therapists to be like hey I'm going to start with this one in the gym and and I really need that therapy room so I need it so nobody please take it. (laughs) <laughs> you know if that's where you're going you know if that if that works
1: for your clinic kind of where you are And then if you're the other therapist, because we don't have assigned rooms here, we go with what the child needs. Um, But if you're the other therapist, that that room is going to be used by somebody else, just make sure it's cleaned up because it could make for a bad transition into that room if whatever activity you were playing with was left out on the floor. So, because that therapist has a train of thought that she's working to get that child in that room and what they're going to do when they get in there. So
0: you just want to make sure that you have done your part to clean it up. Right, so transition and thinking about where you and the th- child is going to be and during the session and how that's going to
1: work. And a whole nother podcast that we do, because Hayden talks about start to finish Mm -hmm. all the time with activities, but that's really important in any discipline because we want a child to perform an activity and then also, you know, whether it be like telling it bye-bye or putting it away or closing it up, because we have now completed the activity and that's a lot of how our clinic is set up for start to finish activities, but that also helps with the transition between activities and tasks. So if you are getting ready to leave a room to go on to the next task or that they get the reward of going out into the foam pit or into the gym, whatever that may be, that, okay, time to clean up, whether they're young enough to sing the cleanup song or here's what we do next, we're going to put all these away, help me clean up. PTs are clean up because we get a lot of
0: squats out of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there's always yep. a method to the madness. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> but that's another way to think when you're thinking about transitions from room to room and activity.
0: Because you can easily leave, like for some of them, you could meet the child at the waiting room with, you're right, your right swing but the swing that you wanted For example, you can also leave whatever first object you want to do, especially if you're treating in the gym, you know? We talked about putting the mats up and stuff, and that's what we needed for that little girl to take all the visuals away. But if you don't have to take all the visuals away, but they still need sort of a main object, you can have the swing waiting as soon as they walk in the gym, and then they can help drag the swing, which is heavy work, over to the swing hook, you hook it up, and they get on the swing. So it's kind of like the first thing they see is that swing. It kind of sort of starts to organize the session a little bit.
1: Well, and that brings us to our next one, which is choice of room and objects in the room so yes, that's if important. your choice of the room is the gym mm-hmm. you've already identified we're gonna do this swing first mm-hmm. because you as a therapist have a train of thought of we either need to calm this child down or rev this child up depending on how you're swinging on the swing what swing you're using all of that kind of factors in so you have chosen the room to be the gym to be the swing and then you are choosing the object that you're going to work with.
0: (laughs) Right. I start every single eval for a certain age group with the Fisher Price Farm in the middle of the floor. Because I want them to see that as soon as they walk in the door because I want them to think, okay, ooh, fun. This is fun. We're going to have fun, right, for the eval. Because they don't know what to expect back there. They have no idea what it's going to be like. They focus on that. And then that gives me a minute to talk to the family. Which So I've got multiple reasons for doing that. But one of the main things is is I want the room set up so that the first thing they see is the Fisher Price Farms because it's fun versus like all my standardized testing in the corner because that is not fun you know and so like, <laughs> not fun to give n- not fun to take <laughs> no, there's nothing fun about that so i don't want them to see the bear on the pls because there's nothing fun about that bear i want them to see the fisher price farm then that gives them a minute to watch and observe and it's fun so i think about how the room's set up and then i can also shove that under the table super fast you know mm-hmm. without a bunch of cleanup or whatever i need to do with it so i've got my stuff kind of on purpose set up so i wouldn't want to just all day long just have like a cumulative effect where every child, I never put anything away after every child, and it's just a free-for-all inside the room. You know, if you don't want to have a child play with something, then don't have it in the room. Because sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, well, gosh, the behaviors are so bad. But if you don't want a child to have a certain thing, if it's in the room and they get it, you can't take it away necessarily. It might, then you're done. Right. So you got to think about what's in the room and the setup and what they see first. So think from their perspective, what are they going to see first and have it on their level too.
1: Well, and that's the next thing she's leading us right into. Oh man, (laughs) here we go. Um, we talk about level of success. So you have to know and understand where the child is at and where they're performing at. So PT example, you take a child into the therapy gym or the room and we're working on curb negotiation which is Mm. generally like about seven inches that's standard step height so we're like long-term goal is to be able to step up and down a seven inch step curb height with no rails no hands no support and so um if i take out a seven inch step and they can't do that successfully and they trip they fall they um, put their hands down and they weren't successful well I'm not really setting them up for like praise and yay and let's do this again because they're gonna get frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I would rather as a therapist have my tools with me to start smaller. Like, can we do two inches? Great, yes, you did it. Okay, next one. Can we do three inches, four inches and move our way up? Okay, this is the big one you know, and kind of gear them up because you want them to be successful. And so even if you have to back it down to then move up so that they feel that sense of success as they're going.
0: You don't want to immediately have something that's so difficult they can't do it. Or or kind of in the same... Or that's the goal. Like if it's the be all end all goal that you've written for the child and they just come in and you're like, okay, can we do that? And you're like... Well, then why are they here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
1: yeah, that's true. Met, met, met. Okay, and okay, we're, we're done. <laughs> we're moving on.
0: Okay, yeah. That was an easy session. Sometimes, like, when we have our stuff in boxes, because, like you said before about the start, do, finish, but so sometimes I've, I'll see where therapists will hand the child a box, and they're like, well, they don't ask for it, I'm like, but they don't know what's in the box. So sometimes you have to show them what it is so that they can do it for the next time. So you want to sometimes set up the room if the first thing you want to do, for example, is the wind-up toys, then I don't have all the wind-up toys sitting in the floor in the box. You know, I may have like the box and then one wind-up toy on top. So I can show them what to do so it's an immediate. So I can also, that helps me to sort of get them into the right place of the room I want them to be in, you know, uh, because if if I'm shrinking the room, I can kind of, so it helps me to get them where I need them to go and then they're interested in the toy and they don't realize what's happening. Mm -hmm. Helps with participation. And I achieve immediately what I want from the get-go.
1: And then we want to be able to teach a parent, how to set up the environment at home because right. if you've listened to any of our podcasts, home programs Carryover. are critical. Mm-hmm. Carryover is critical. It's not about what they come and get once or twice a week with us. That's just for the tweak and we send them home with what they're going to do every day. And so how to set up the environment at home, either whether it's teaching the concepts of what we talked about, how to shrink the room or how to work in the space that they have. You got to ask a lot of questions. Again, bathtub. (laughs) Um, But also, for example, if I'm working on cruising, well, I wouldn't expect that a parent is going to have a therapy bench at home. And I set up a therapy bench here and a therapy bench here, but I'm like, Well, do you have a couch or a sofa in the living room? Do you have a coffee table? Just do that with those two items. And here, let's move the toy from this one to this one. And then you're working on getting them to bridge between two objects. And I want you to set them up perpendicular like this. And, or next we're going to advance it to set them up parallel, like how you have it set up, but we're going to move it closer. So now you're coaching the parent on how to set up their environment Mm -hmm. so that they can do the home carryover, not expecting them to go out and purchase a therapy ball and a therapy bench and all this other stuff because my expectation is in a month they're going to be doing this and
0: not need it right a couple amazon boxes also work (laughs) diaper boxes (laughs) that works yeah (laughs) but no i think you're right so i I do that a lot at the house i'll tell Family's like okay, so how do they ask for things? Well, all right, so let's not take all their toys and put them up too high or whatever. But let's take the toys they <laughs> sounds bad. They really love. <laughs> and let's put them up out of reach so that they have to ask, you know, for things. Yep. So like a lot of the kids will want to do like movies or TV or something like that. Well, let's put the re- and they can work the remote themselves, right, on the TV or whatever. They can work them better than the parents can. So I say we'll take the remote and put them up so high so they have to ask for it. Or we'll take two pictures and put them on the fridge so if they ask for eat or drink, they're right there on the fridge. They don't have to go. Find them and look around the house. So we, so you can set up, you can do small things in the environment to change and set the environment up without changing the whole flow of the house and everything. Too. Right. That are pretty easy and quick, doable things. Keeping it very, very simple, mm-hmm. but promoting the carryover. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: I do think that is our role yeah. to help with the environmental setup at home. Even though they're coming into clinic for therapy, I do think it is our role to step into that to be able to educate the parent on how they can do it at home and simply.
0: Yes, totally. I mean, if it's if it's not simple and it's not easy to do pretty quick, then you probably won't be that successful with it, you know? So we have to make it so it's easy to do and it's quick and it's simple and it is realistic and doable. Yeah, if it's not, you won't have success. So those are our five, five. five uh, quick strategies for setting up a room for success. This all goes without saying that the room is number one, clean, right? That your toys are clean in your room and that you have toys that are safe and not broken with batteries that need to be replaced and options and that are fun and fun yes we have a lot of strong opinions about toys or equipment here so there are other podcasts on theworkingtherapist.com that you can listen to about toys and equipment you can also go to pediatricdt.com that's our website and then find a link to theworkingtherapist.com and find other podcasts about toys and equipment because we do tend to have some strong opinions about that but oh and we also have a podcast about things you don't want in your therapy room or therapy clinic you know we have that Struggle of opinion what you do want and don't want but these opinions come from years and years of therapy and practice so um, we share some of our reasons for things you don't want and why because we've already made those mistakes (laughs) so we save you some time you don't have to make them again we already did it so thanks for listening today and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.